Welcome back, homies. As you can read by the title and the episode description, we have a Dan Z free episode. So I'm calling in Fox News contributor, Barking Dogs, special guest, the homie Scott Martin to do the full NFL week eight breakdown with me. Scott, thanks for stepping up. Woof, woof. Uh, stepping up so far, Jeff. We'll see how we do in the next 45 minutes. A Dan Z free episode does not mean that I'm looking to take over to, for Dan Z, but I will step into his shoes briefly for Dan Z and see what we can come up with, Jeff, as we've got a pretty interesting slate ahead of us. Yes, considering how well we have to say that we did last week on basically, basically future predicting everything that happened in the NFL week last week, I think we've got a good chance to do something similar, maybe not as great, but something good and similar this week. Yeah, I'm calling you up to the show this week, the big show last week. You did your three barking dogs. You went 3-0. and You've been just beating the table saying you needed an undefeated week, and you finally got one. So made our listeners money. Made me money as well. I went 3-2 and last week. I hit with my three best bets. Um, so that was good. And and each of our – or um, one of my best bets and one of your best bets were uh, a co-pick, the, the Baltimore Ravens, which was – I mean – over by the end of the first quarter, bro. You were cashing that bet at the window if they would have let you at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. It was a rocking chair cover, as we call it in the industry. Rocking chair. Yeah. If the dog has barked and the dog has run around the yard. And then real quick on your comment about last week, too, man. Last week, we called this on the pod, mean reversion week. Mean reversion, meaning things go back to an average. Things go back to what the usual trend line is, sports fans. And that last week was the public getting trounced. So a lot of things that we did last week, both in the Barking Dog segment on the stuff you talked about with the NZ Jeff, and as well as stuff that I did in my own personal betting account, was against the old public because they were bound to get smacked in the face and get their heads chopped off. And oh my goodness, did that happen last week. Yeah, I mean, you're going to bring that up a lot, this podcast, I have a feeling. Um, the, the top 10 most picked teams, I think, last week just got crushed. So, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, I'm gonna say this um, a little bit later, but... The sports books are going to make all the money back from the public that they lost, and then some. Like it's, it's going to be it's going to be red dawn for the public um, for the rest of the season, I think. So, I'm just hoping to get on the same side as the sports books because that's usually what wins. We got unlucky for the first few weeks. Still, you have a winning record on this podcast. I am floating around 500. So if we just keep up with the process, I think we're going to end up cashing a lot of tickets to end this year. I agree, dude. And, and you said Red Dawn. I mean, we talked about just how – one of the, the thing that scares me a little bit about last week, Jeff, was it was such a, a public washout. I mean, it was an absolute hurricane for the public last week. I mean, there, I, there was some, some games that, like you said, were very heavy public, and, and they were over at the half. So it does probably mean that this week will be a little bit more challenging than even I think right now as I say this. But to your point, be on the side of the books. If you think you know, you don't know. This isn't the Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg song. Like, you don't know. So make sure that you pay attention to the analytics, pay attention to the stuff that we talk about, the kind of behind-the-scenes goings-on with these spreads in these games to get ahead of that public line because they're going to get absolutely smoked, like you said, a few more times this this, uh, season. I promise you that. Yeah, absolutely. And the best thing about the public is they don't make any, like, midweek or midseason adjustments. They're just – Gonna bet favorites. They're gonna favorites, bet the teams. Baby. They're gonna bet the teams. Stephen A. Smith tells them to bet teams that Colin yeah, Coward likes. Boy. 
That's your boy. And, and teams that look the best that are proclaimed the number one team in the NFL yeah. that loses by 40 or whatever the next week. Thank you, Stephen A. Love you. And also teams that look the most prettiest on the field, too, that have the best looking colors and the cutest relationships like Kelsey and Taylor Swift and blah, blah, blah. Those are the things I want nothing of. Yeah. And you made an excellent point. Um, I do think the, 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 the sports books are going to get all their money back. And, um, and, and this is a very tough week, even though there's 16 games, there's no teams on by, which is pretty weird for week eight. I had a real tough time coming up with my picks. Uh, we usually record Whoa. this podcast on Wednesday. We had to push it back because of various things to today, Thursday. Um, and one of my, my, my picks, the first one that I'm giving out is actually the Thursday night football game. So there's not going to be a lot of shelf life, but I am going to come with all five of my picks that I'm entering in the circa millions contest. So you want to start with the Thursday night game? Yeah. I mean, this one's a, a tough one. Like you said, Jeff, because oh, no, you got to set up with a couple teams. Well, you got to, here you go. You got a couple teams that are coming in and need wins. I mean, let's face it. Everybody's got their, their kind of backs to the wall here. You got three and three bucks and you got a four and three bills team. And the bills have just been obviously trounced in the public. I mean, there's been a lot of kind of, I guess, blowback feedback on the bills that they're not the same team. They don't have it. The coaching stinks, whatever, no running game. The reality is the following, though, is that the public has responded to that, in my opinion, given how bad the Bucks have been, and have said, okay, we're going to take the Bucks very, very little on Thursday, just again looking at that home team kind of back against the wall issue. But if you just look at the Bucks overall here, they come in off of typical games like they played last week and step up. So that's why I like the Bills at least to cover, maybe not to cover this spread, but to say win but not cover – so the spread for me paints a perfect picture for taking the Bucks to come into Buffalo and maybe actually flirt with an upset. Yeah, the uh, Bucks right now are plus nine and a half. That's what I'm giving it out at. Um, I'm hoping to get it at plus nine and a half in the Circa Million contest. And you said the 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 public or um, maybe NFL writers are starting to come around on on how weak this yep. Bills team is, but the the betting public is not. According to right. pregame.com. The most action for any side this week is on the Buffalo Bills, despite all of their obvious blemishes. They are missing three all-pro players on their defense at all three levels. Eventually, that's got to catch up to you, dude. And in the, inter- in the preseason, the look-ahead line for this game was Bills minus 10. Based on their injuries, based on Josh Allen's lack of confidence and his shoulder injury— how is this point? How is this game only a half point less in the preseason? It's because the public is pushing it back up towards the original line that the market tried to move they away are. from. They try to move away from it. Now, I found something interesting. This is nerdy stats here from a nerd named Rich Rebar from uh, Sharp Football, Football Analysis. But those injuries that I mentioned for Buffalo, Matt Milano, Tredavious White, Daquan Jones. All pro players. When those players have been off the field, Buffalo's defense is 24th in yards per play allowed, 29th in um, success rate allowed, 30th in quarterback rating, and those quarterbacks that they face, Trevor Lawrence, elite, Tyrod Taylor, backup, Mac Jones, absolute garbage. Mac Jones had maybe his best game of his career last week against Buffalo's weakened defense. So you're getting them on a short week. They haven't had time to recover from that from that uh, tough divisional matchup. 
And the Bucks are coming in a buy low spot. They have back-to-back losses at home against Detroit and Atlanta, right? Not great performances, but I think those defenses are sneaky good. And I think Buffalo's defense is is weak, and it's obviously on the mend. I'm going to take Baker, um, despite my my better judgment or I don't know whatever you want to call it, because the public is just all over the Bills, and it's just a blind faith bet on the Bills. I'm not buying it. I think there's something wrong. I'm going to take the Bucks. There is something wrong, and that's what scares me, though. When the the line looks this much off, because your analysis is amazing, frankly. I mean, I was almost going to just pass out. That was so good. It was like there's something wrong with that spread then, Jeff, because like you're right. The public is pushing it, but it still feels a little bit too big, which we've talked about this before. Like, hello, last week when the Ravens were favored by three over the Lions, and it was like, wait, I can get a field goal with the Lions going into Baltimore? Oh, my God. So it's like similar here. There's something there that's kind of making me a little reticent. The other quick thing, too, is, you know, we do the Barking Dog segment every week. Dan Z is usually doing this beautiful part of the pot. So, like, I do a primetime kind of analysis of things, too. So games that are just kind of solo, you know, Thursday night, London game, Sunday night, Monday night. The primetime stuff with the dogs, in this case, the Bucks, who are under underpicked by the public and, and the dog and the spread, those are hitting like crazy this year, like close to 75%. So that number... Da, 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 mean reverts over time and probably goes back more towards 60, 65. So it feels to me like I still am taking the Bucks. Don't get me wrong, but it feels to me like it still can be one of those games that the Bucks keep close and then maybe the the, the, the Bills come in with a, a little backdoor, backdoor cover. But you're right about one quick thing. And I mentioned this earlier. When the Bucks have played like they have in the last couple of weeks, especially that week in Atlanta, when they should have won the game, by the way, which we picked Atlanta. Um, in, in one of the other dog kind of uh, picks here last week. Terrifying. So the Bucks Absolutely have come back. terrifying. Yes. <laughs> terrifying. It was horrible. I mean, I hate Atlanta big time. But I'll tell you, man, the Bucks have come back after games like that against Atlanta and shown up. So I'm taking the Bucks just because it's the dog segment. I look at dogs. I look at money flows, money movement. It tells me the public is too heavy on Buffalo. But that spread thing is really weird that you brought up, and I agree with that. Well, that's the thing. You and I know our shit. Like we're paying attention to the odds, movements, the betting, the uh, the, the public, the public, um, the public action, all that stuff, and we see that this looks weird. But the ninety percent of the public that is betting the bills, they don't even care. They're just blindly betting them. It's They're like, fair. oh, oh, the the Bucks are supposed to suck. They got Baker Mayfield. The Bills have Josh Allen. They're home. They're coming off of a loss. They're going to be angry, and they don't even consider this. So while I'm I'm with you, I think we're almost like galaxy braining it. Like there's just we're we're overthinking mm-hmm. it. Like the public just loves the bills and that's what they're be. just going to take them. And that, that's it. And it's like the sports books, they could put this at 10 and a half. They could put it at 12 and a half. The, either way, the public is going to bet the bills because they just can't get enough of the bills. So I'm with you. It looks suspicious, but I think it looks suspicious to people like you or I, who maybe yes. at this point are just thinking too much about it. I'm just going to take the bucks because it's a great number. And I'm, that's where I'm, that's where I'm, uh, I'm just leaving that whole analysis. Let's go to your Amen. your first uh, pick here, which is your Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay oh. Packers. Where do, what does your yes. model say about this? So the story could be my former your Minnesota Vikings because <laughs> I'm sure the team, if they actually cared about me, would be pretty pissed. I think they're going to get beat on Sunday, man. Um, if you look at the game that's set up, uh, Jeff, between the Vikings and Packers, which – you know, I've been to this game a hundred times almost, it feels like, and I'm only like 45. So 
that tells you something. But this game is like something that's just been a big part of my life, the Vikings-Packers rivalry, but the Vikings-Packers game in Lambeau. And so that's a tough spot to play no matter what, just for the Vikings' sake anyway. It's been a tough play for them over the years when they've been great, when they've been bad, when the Packers have been good, and when they've been bad, et cetera. It's just one of those rivalries that, that, that spans the test of time. Because of this recency bias that we talk about with the public, because of the fact that the public loves San Francisco and any team that beats San Francisco, it seems like gets its great public favor the next week. Hello, the Vikings. The public overreacts in football in the case of San Francisco, Minnesota. So they think that the Vikings, given that the, the Packers suck, don't get me wrong, and I don't think the Vikings are that great either, and they're better maybe. But it's a tougher environment. It's a tougher situation. It's a tough setup. And the public is heavy on the uh, Minnesota Vikings here coming in. To me, it looks like a situation. And I'll be at the game screaming for the Vikings. And in my heart, my wallet is like, cash the Packers. Cash the Packers. But it just seems like it's one of those setups where you've still got a couple guys questionable. you got TJ Hawkinson out. Um, you got Jair Alexander uh, questionable again for the Packers. But just if you look at an overall setup between the Vikings and Packers on Sunday and how each team has been playing, the spread also looks weird, too, to me, Jeff. It's one of those weird spread games where when this thing opened, the Packers were only plus one, and now they're plus one and a half, depending on your favorite sports book. And to me, the public is seeing that as something that's an easy take. It's basically a pick em at one, minus one for the Vikings, and they think they can come in and smack the Packers around. I think it's that setup against the against this spread, against the public to take the pack here, even though I hate to do so. Dude, I want to bet the Vikings so badly, but you, you're right. Yeah, you Every, do. Everything you said is 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 accurate. I mean, you just you're getting the Vikings on an absolute buy high spot. You're getting the Packers on a sell low spot. Um, the Packers are very banged. And only up. for one point, Jeff. Doesn't that look weird? One yeah. point for that. Packers are injured. Everyone knows it. Everyone's betting the Vikings. I think eighty percent of the money is on the Vikings, and the books are just begging for it. Please. please. Bet more Vikings. Please bet more Vikings. And here's one thing to add to your point. The 49ers soften teams up. It's a weird thing. So since the beginning of last team uh, last season, teams the week after playing the 49ers are 4-19 straight up. 4-19. That's a 17% Ouch. winning percentage. Brutal. 5-16-2 against the spread. Right, like they just wow. take it out of teams, and that kind of makes sense when you think about the the San Francisco profile. They just they're a physical team. Teams really put in all all like the mass, uh, the most prep that they can, the most work they can to get up for those games. And then there's a letdown. So I love your pick here. Um, I just can't get to the window on it because I like five yeah. other games instead of it. And like, just follow me to the window, Jeff. Yeah, maybe I'll make a side bet on it. It won't be a contest bet. Hopefully, so much money comes in on the on the Vikings, I can get the Packers one and a half and tease that up, put that as a teaser leg. But just straight up, you're a bigger man than me on this one. I, I can't do it with the Packers because all the football analysis that I have backs the Vikings here. It does. But you're right. You're right. I don't know shit compared to the market. I don't know shit compared to sports books. And they are begging for Vikings money. So yes, I, I got to say, it cannot away. be this easy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. betting over the course of time, like not every week. We talked about this on, you know, weeks four and five and six when it was a struggle. Like betting is not, it's not easy or it's not like the takeaway or the easy take. But man, I'll tell you, if it was this easy every week, we the bet that there'd be no Vegas. So 
there has to be some pitfalls here, and I think this is it. The Vikings basically have the same defense, by the way, as the Packers. The Vikings actually give up way more in the air than the Pack does. Jordan Love looks like absolute dog crap, to use a barking dogs kind of reference. And it's like he needs an operation. But still, the fact that this could be a get-right game. And lastly, dude, the weather looks like absolute dog poo as well. 40s, showers, perfect for a Packer game. Not so perfect, perfect for a game going outside as far as the Vikings are concerned. And all that public money, baby. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, and like we've been saying since you first joined Outkick Bets as a contributor, the best bets are the ones that you feel shitty about. And anyone who's betting the Packers is going to feel feel like shit about it. So I think you're on a very sharp side here. When you feel like you can't, yeah, when you, when you feel like you shouldn't call that person back that you met last night and you still call her, you still call him, whatever it is, those are the same bets. And it's like, oh, I don't want this person. But you call him back and ask him on another date. Same deal here, man. I'm going to ask Packers on a date to take home me some money. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck on that date with Jordan Love. But, hey, I, I might hit, uh, hit sure. it as a yeah, teaser. I'll, I'll like. see you. <laughs> uh, all right. This is the game I think we're opposite on. If, 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 if I read your text right, we're on the opposite side on. That's the Atlanta Falcons at the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans are getting three, and it's an expensive three at our um, sponsored book, Points Bet. You're on the Falcons, and I'm on the Titans. Do I have that correct? Correct, Mundo. Yeah, right. You can read text very well, Jeff. <laughs> All right, so do you want to give your Atlanta analysis first? Um, yeah, it's it's a similar setup, man. It's kind of funny to some of these other ones, or at least ones we picked in the last couple of weeks. It feels very very close to what we talked about a lot. You've got just basically, basically a Falcons team. It's coming in looking horrible in offense, um, not being able to figure anything out. I mean, I don't even know if the Fal- Falcons know what they really are. they got a good defense, but the offense is just weird. Ritter's really painful to watch. The coaching just seems like they don't have a quite handle on what they need to do to get the offense going. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, what's the correct kind of spread or the look that the, publics would have on, the public would have on this because of the fact that it's a pretty interesting matchup. I mean, it's going to be a tight spread. And it's going to be one that feels like a game that could go either way. And so, obviously, the public has seen the fact that you basically have a setup to have. I mean, look, man, the the, the Titans come in, to me, two and four, worse than a two and four team, not being able to figure anything out, can't use D-op. Falcons come in at four and three, which is way more than they're probably worth as well. They've had a soft schedule. But you've got Tennessee, man, at home in the early slot of games, either 1 p.m. Eastern games, getting points. And like you said, it's expensive three. But the public looks at that and says, okay, we're going into a pick game, let's say, and you've got a home team uh, that has a you know, decent defense. They can play inspired on defense, playing against a road team that has a crappy offense, to say the least, and that's probably even being generous, and getting points. And so they've overloaded the public side to Atlanta – or to uh, Tennessee, rather, making the Atlanta side what I think is sharp. And then also, especially if we get this thing under three for Atlanta, I'm all over it because I love the Falcons here. Gotcha. Um, so I'm going to throw something you said back in your face, which is saying that, which is when you mentioned the Titans aren't as good as their record. That's pretty much been the case since they hired Mike Vrabel. Now, Mike Vrabel gives me Caucasian Mike Tomlin vibes, meaning there are just like blind spots that you bet Mike Vrabel and put faith in him and he's going to come through. Mm. And this is one of them, I think. Now, since 2019, Tennessee... At home after a loss, nine and four straight up, nine and four against the spread. Tennessee since 2019, following a or after a bye, four and zero straight up and against the spread. 
winning by an average of 19 points per game. Me and you both liked the Falcons last week, as we talked about earlier. That was terrifying. Terrifying. And people. I didn't watch it. I couldn't watch it. Oh, my God. I almost puked. Desmond Ritter fumbled the ball on the goal line twice. Twice. And people keep excusing it and saying, well, Atlanta's underlying offensive metrics are really good. No, this kid is turnover prone. He makes mistakes all the time. It's not even the small hands. He doesn't even have small hands. I was hoping I'd hear that one, actually. That would be great, wouldn't it? No. And, and, He's just turnover prone over the last five games. Atlanta's only putting up 13 points per game, and they have 12 turnovers in that span. It gets to a point where it's like, yeah, 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 turnovers are fluky. No, that's part of this identity. That's it's so, part of the fabric. Yes. So I'm fading. I'm fading Ritter as a road favorite, despite well how how scared I am about Tennessee's quarterback situation. They don't have Ryan Tannehill. They're going to be playing either. Malik Willis or Will Malik. Will Levis, neither one of them are any good. Like I'm not I'm not excited about getting to the window uh, back in either one of those quarterbacks. But it's an all in game for Tennessee. Their season's effectively over if they lose this game, and I just don't believe the Falcons could win by margin given their mistakes and how terrible Desmond Ritter is. So great great points. I mean Malik the freak. I actually liked him when he was drafted, and I don't know. What's happened to him, but he has not played. He's not adjusted the FL well or something like that. And they kind of knew that he wasn't, but like it's been worse than I thought. So that's strange. But you know what, Jeff, with every piece of analysis you gave, which was wonderful, it's like, what is up with this spread then? Because why is this not even a pick or why is this not, you know, maybe Falcons plus a little bit of money, like a half point? To me, that's what's just weird. And then if you just look at lastly, which is really stupid to say, what if, <clears throat> the Falcons get it together and, and, and Ritter doesn't turn the ball over twice on the goal line this year, this week, or doesn't throw any interceptions or actually throws, you know, more TDs than INTs in the game. I think for the first time or second time this year, like if that happens, I think they can crush the Titans because the defense is good. And it just seems like that spread is almost setting up waiting for that or anticipating that to happen before it's actually happened. I'll tell you what happens. I tip my cap to Atlanta and be like, Hey, you win some, you lose some. My bad, I got this one wrong. And I'm fine with losing if Atlanta puts it all together in this spot. I really am. And, like, Tennessee's offensive line's getting healthier. Um, and I think people are fading Tennessee right now because they're obviously a trade deadline seller. And people are thinking that they're going to be one of the first NFL teams ever to tank. Football teams just don't do that. That, that. that doesn't happen. Like, yeah, they got rid of Kevin Byard, who's nasty. They might be getting rid of Derrick Henry. But... Derrick Henry's backup, Spears, is nasty. Six. DeAndre, Six. DeAndre Hopkins still has a little left in the tank. And again, um, Tennessee's offensive line is getting healthier. And if there's a if there's a quarterback that I want to fade as a road favorite, Desmond Ritter is one. And I'm going to talk about the other one a little bit later. Well, they can always trade A.J. Brown again, too, because that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> nice move, guys. Yeah, same team. They they traded Kevin Byer too. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But that's to me, this is a typical Scott Martin play. I'm 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 a little confused on why on the opposite side. Maybe maybe the public is betting Tennessee, and that's a it's a it's a public dog, and those get slaughtered as we've talked about in your usual barking dog segments. But to me, feels like you're going back on 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 your usual stance, and I think you would usually be on the Titans here. 
I would, but man, and that's the thing that doesn't make sense, right? Because like, and it doesn't make sense to the public. I mean, dogs, I like dogs in two ways. One, if they're obviously not favored. And then two, if the public's not on them. But like in this case, man, the public is so heavy on Tennessee and the spread looks so bizarre that it has to be, it has to almost be a, a, a dog slash cat because it's like sneaky, but it's also one of those things that like is a dog in the public phase. And I think they're going to keep pounding Tennessee in the game time. All right. Sounds like a raccoon. Maybe what's a, what's a dog cat hybrid. I don't even know. Um, let's talk about a uh, game. Camel. Okay. I, you know what? I'm not a zoologist. I don't know about any of this shit. I'm I've, I've I, all I do is look at sports scores and watch football games. Let's talk about a game. You animal. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about a game. Uh, you and I both have action on. I think we're on the same side here. New Orleans Saints at the Indianapolis Colts. I'll give my analysis first, and then you uh, either fade me or piggyback on what I got to say. I'm taking the Saints as a pick at the Indianapolis Col- Colts, and I'm just fading Minshew here. Um, he flip-flops in between good and bad games. He was good versus Houston. Sucked versus Baltimore. Good versus Tennessee. Sucked versus Jacksonville. Last week, that MFR got dumb lucky against Cleveland. And this week, he gets a Saints team that is a top five defense that I think is going to really clean his clock. Um, He's got the second highest turnover-worthy play rate in the NFL. Again, he just gets dumb lucky sometimes. And I think his luck is going to run out against a Saints defense, which is... Again, top five in the NFL. Also, New Orleans offense has something to build on from last week. Uh, They lost 31-24 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They looked like an absolute corpse in the first half, but they outscored the Jags 18-14 in the second half, and they could have won that game if the tight end Foster Moreau caught that would-be game-winning or game-tying touchdown in the end zone. They have a plus-18 first down differential, so they're moving the ball Inside the 20s really well. They just need to capitalize on some red zone opportunities, which may never happen for them in Derek Carr. Maybe Derek Carr and Dennis Allen are just cursed, but I think they can get right, and I think their offense is slowly improving. So I'm going to take the Saints as a pick them over the Colts in, um, in, in, in Week 8. What are your pushback or agreement of that uh, analysis? What, pushback or piggyback? Piggy, piggy, because I agree. And I think that's the whole thing is like, you look at the Colts, not the prettiest team in the world. Absolutely horrible uniforms, by the way, last weekend. Hopefully they would wear those never again. Yeah, ugly. And and the Saints, man, like you said, coming in on that uh, Thursday night game, a little extra time to kind of look at this game and set up. And then just looking not great against the Jags. I agree. They looked like an absolute bag of bones in the first uh, half. But the second half was like, yeah, 18 to 14, or the outscoring was great, but the team still looked a little bit janky. I, I don't know what's been going on with them. And Moreau dropping that ball looked like, I mean, it looked like the events drop it. I, I don't know how else you drop a ball like that unless you're like blind. So to me, this is a setup for the Saints to absolutely be under undercut by the public and not a favorite. And the number looks a little bit weird to me too, just slightly in the sense that you think the Saints would be getting a little bit more. And so the Saints come in here, backs against the wall, a game they can win. Minshew and the guys had this blast last weekend, uh, you know, with the Browns and yada, yada, but still, and, and obviously managed to, to, to somehow even stay in the game, but they, they still have this, this issue with the Colts the offense, which is still not working very well, even though Taylor is back. So Derek Carr worries me though, Jeff, because he has played like an absolute fool out there and doesn't seem to be agreeing with Allen and having trouble with the players on his own team. 
But I still think the Saints are set up here because of the way the public's looking at them to come in and take one out of Indianapolis going home. I'm happy you brought that up. I thought Derek Carr yelling at his teammates and and, and obviously looking frustrated. I think with the extended prep and the extra time off, I think this veteran locker room is going to come around on that and they're going to build on that and they're going to have like a a heart-to-heart being like, yo, Derek Carr – you suck too. Don't sit there and show us up. And Derek Carr, I think, is going to level with his teammates. Like, you know what? You're right. We all need to improve together. And they're going to they're going to bury the hatchet. And they're going to come together. And they're going to rally. I clearly have no idea if that's going to happen. I don't. I don't have any connections in the Saints locker room. I'm just. That's just the vibe that I get. Like Derek Carr, everyone loves him. He's the. He's a sweetheart. I know he acted like a like a jackass on Thursday Night Football. But this the Saints team has so many veterans on it, and I feel like they are going to rally around getting close to beating Jacksonville last week. I think that's a great call, man. It's a get-right game for the Saints. If they ever had one, they are very professional, like you said. I think you called Derek Carr a sweetheart. I don't know if I would have ever done that until now. Derek Carr is a sweetheart. And so, therefore, it's like a known it, it, thing. Setup, it's, oh, I guess so. I mean, yeah. I, you never sent me flowers on Sweetest Day, but he might <laughs> if he actually brings home a win on Sunday, and then I'll send him some because I'll cash a nice ticket. So Saints are all, all for me too, man. I just think the Colts just aren't that good. Boring team, not that big of a home field advantage anyway. And the Saints probably need to get out of New Orleans for a little bit and get right, and I think it's in Indianapolis. Yeah, well, we're going to keep it rolling with uh, Scott Martin's Barton, Barking Dogs, Los Angeles Rams of the Dallas Cowboys. What's up? Yeah, what's up is the public, man. Just again, on a team that um, I've been screaming myself horse all week, by the way. Um, it's like the team set up here is perfect, in my opinion. It's under seven, which kind of stinks. Six and a half, seven to put them where you want to pay up for it. Cowboys coming off that Monday night game when they look so awesome in L.A. Coming off the hype of kind of being maybe that new, not new, but still a darling team in the NFC East, given that the NFC East kind of looks just choppy. I mean, Philly looks okay, but other than that, it's still one of those things where the Rams are coming into who, who they are. And you've talked about this, Jeff, a ton on the Rams, and you've been right about it, about how Cooper Cup coming back, Stafford getting well, the defense coming together, Aaron Donald actually waking up. It's the, the time of the, the year, effectively, when the Rams will start to get their momentum just based on their injuries and the healing and the kind of emergency in their offense that some of the players are having. So against a stale team like the Cowboys, who've kind of had everything rolling all year and haven't been that impressive, had to win games by – Late touchdowns, field goals, et cetera. Yeah, they blew out a couple teams, but still, when they've been competed against, it's been tough for them to step up and make these plays. Dax, I think, still has a lot of issues in the in the pocket, and certainly his quarterback overall, calling the team, running the team, running the offense. So I just like the L.A. Rams here to come into Cowboys land and probably actually even take this one, but let alone cover the spread. I have literally no pushback on that. Um, I think between... Stafford's ability to get rid of the ball quickly and just the smart coaching staff, the smart wide receivers, he's going to not be as affected by Dallas's elite pass rush as I think most like casual fans would assume he would. And I think the, 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 the market is still too far or too low on the Rams and too high on the Cowboys. Typically, it's been profitable to fade the Cowboys since they're one of the more popular teams in the in the entire league, and I think that could be the case for this one as well. Um, moving along, though, I'm going to talk about my New York Giants against the uh, New York 
Jets. So this game is technically a home game for the New York Giants, but not really, obviously. The New York Jets don't even have to travel for it. Same building. Um, and I talked about this with the with the um, the Falcons-Titans and saying, teasing that I was going to fade another quarterback as a favorite that shouldn't be a favorite, and that's obviously Zach Wilson here. I'm going to take the two and a half points of the New York Giants. I hate this pick because I'm a Giants fan, and I don't like picking my team. I don't like betting my team because I am clearly biased. Um, but my thing is, Zach Wilson is going to struggle against Wink Martindale's defense. Wink Martindale and the New York Giants blitz at the second highest rate in the NFL. They do a lot of exotic blitzes from all different angles. And I just don't trust Zach Wilson's processing speed to be able to figure that out and make the right decisions against the New York Giants. The New York Giants, because they blitz so much, they run the second highest rate of man coverage. Zach Wilson is goddamn garbage passing against man coverage. He's averaging, uh, he's only got a 47% completion rate. Also, the New York Giants just plainly look better with Tyrod Taylor under center as opposed to Daniel Jones. Truth be told, I would feel a lot less um, confident in this pick if Daniel Jones ends up starting Sunday. I'm hoping we get another week at Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor is taking care of the ball. And that's another important aspect of this handicap. The New York Jets, they need turnovers to win. All three of their wins, they've gotten at least three turnovers. And from good quarterbacks, right? Like they got Josh Allen to turn the ball over, I think, three or four times. Jalen Hurts had a bad game. They lost to the Chiefs, but Pat Mahomes played like absolute shit. So the Jets need turnovers. Tyrod Taylor is not going to give it to them. And... I just want to fade Zach Wilson again off after a big win. He's smelling himself. The Jets are smelling themselves on their bye week. Robert Sala is talking about how well the Jets have played against elite quarterbacks, but they have a minus 38 in first down differential. They cannot move the ball. Their offensive line is complete garbage, and I'm going to fade Zach Wilson anytime he's a favorite. So that's where I'm at here. That's what a lot of people are doing, and I'm with you on that. I actually like the pick because, I mean, what I see so far, like you said, is the Jets just getting all this accolades, all these kudos, all these, hey, we're the best team in New York, live up to it, um, and getting excited about betting the Jets on this weekend. But I'm going to tell you, man, I agree with all your analysis on the Giants, especially Tyrod. I love Tyrod. Um, It's funny how long – I mean, he's been in the league, what, now 12 years? Amazing player just kind of there to kind of coach, kind of be the the backup, be the third string, and then come in and win games. And I agree, man. I think the Giants are starting to get a better identity on themselves. I think Brian Dayball was probably one of the most deserving coaches of the year last year or ever of any year, but then, like, is probably being, being one of the biggest flops on, on the next year after winning that 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 distinction. So I don't like the coaching matchup here. Um, I, I like I like the Jets coach a lot better, Saja, or however you pronounce it, but – it's still, to me, a setup for the Jets to be that heavy public favorite. No, they're not on the road. So everybody's like, oh, this is a home game anyway because it's the Giants that are the host. And you have just the Giants team that seems to be getting a little bit more right, like you said, than the Jets team. And so the fact that the public's on it too, man, and the Giants are still getting a little bit of a pointage here, I'm taking it. All right, good stuff. Let's talk about another pick you got. Um, <laughs> man, you're a Uh-oh. brave dude. What? Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Tell us what you like about this game. Oh, did I mention that I hate this one? 
um, I was hoping you actually wouldn't read the text so well as I said you do, Jeff, because it, it, it's going to sound like a broken record. And it's going to sound messed up, but the public is just too high on on some of these teams, too high on some teams, too high on low teams. I mean, just look at this. Look at the the, the money line. Look at the money line. Look at the movement on the spread. Look at where all, well, where all the capital flows are. Nobody likes the Broncos, man. Nobody likes the Broncos in this sense, in this spot. Everybody likes the Chiefs. Everybody likes Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and Jarek McKinnon and blah, 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 blah. whatever. That is adjusted in the spread, man. I mean, we're getting points here. I mean, you got the points back quote up. I've seen 10 in some books. I've seen nine and a half. It still, to me, looks pretty juicy because Russell Wilson, if you didn't notice, starting to play better. The Broncos are starting to play better. Now, they suck. Don't get me wrong. Sean Payton... Uh, flop coach, speaking of, that's one for the year as well. Biggest flop of a coach this year, probably Sean Baden, maybe Brian Dayball, whoever. Um, it's like, I still think this set this table is set, though, for the for the Broncos to play this one a little bit tougher. Kansas City's been doing whatever they want to do lately on offense, and I still like the Broncos here at the plus money, or plus, plus spread here, and the plus money line money, just to at least keep this thing close and at least cover the spread and maybe steal one. Um, for the record, it is the Broncos plus seven, but to your point, it opened Chiefs minus nine. Over ninety percent of the bets are on the Chiefs, and it's moving towards Denver. Oh, that's you, strange. Are you still willing to give it out at Denver plus seven? I'll give it out all day long, Jeff. All day long, I'll give it out at Denver plus six because I think Denver keeps this one close, dude. I think this is maybe a field goal game, and again, the public betting tells you, and that spread movement tells you something's up. Because if Denver's getting seven, nine, ten, and the public is pounding this one like Kansas City, you've got to adjust that number to try to get the public to come over to the other side. And all they're doing is moving the spread down while the public's going on. Telling you, dude, you got bigger cojones than me. Um, me and you, I think, both bet the Broncos on Thursday night football, getting a what was it, ten and a half points or something yeah. against against the Chiefs. Yes. They, Ouch. They lost, lost by eleven. Lost by eleven. We got hooked. Um and man, that was brutal. I felt so stupid. The Broncos team, though, is that possible? The team looks better then now than it does does it does does then at least. And so does Kansas City, I guess. Absolutely. And and you made a, a good point that Sean Payton is one of the biggest flops of the season um, as as a as a head coaching hire. That being said, I do like Sean Payton. I do think eventually they're going to be better. They're not going to be an absolute embarrassment. That's and, right. And Denver. Man, this is kind of square, but maybe not because again, all the money is on Kansas City. But Denver's a tough place to play. It's a tough place they to are. go in and and, and win. So, if major anything- rivalry. I mean, that is a that is a decades long rivalry yep. in Denver. Kansas City comes in, drive down I seventy, you know, get over to get over to Mile High, dude. That's going to be a battle. I'm telling you, this game's going to be close. As much as I as I absolutely hate it, if I had to pick one way or the other, I would just side with you and go with the Broncos. But that oh boy, good I, man, you're smart. I've banned that team personally, so best of luck if you guys are going to follow Scott Martin on that one. Hey, it's a sharp pick, it's a gutsy pick, it's one that you hate, so it's probably going to be profitable. I just hate it too much. So let's talk about our final game here again. Something that you and I both have action on. I think we're on the same side here. Cleveland Browns, um, I'm taking three and a half as they visit the Seattle Seahawks. What say you? I'm taking Cleveland Browns, baby. Oh, um, baby. This this game, this game, my baby, this game, because Geno Smith is my baby. Because Geno Smith seems to be not Geno Smith anymore. And not even the Geno Smith 
that was really bad a couple of years ago that looked like he was out of the NFL, but even the Geno Smith last year, who was actually okay, or the Geno Smith back at WVU, West Virginia. So uh, this is just an interesting game to me. It's an interesting spread. The spread scares me a little bit, Jeff. I, I'm surprised the Browns are getting this much after Seattle has not been that impressive over the last few weeks with Geno and the boys just having some trouble connecting. You know, whether, whether it's turnovers, whether it's weird offensive play calls, it just hasn't been exactly smooth. And it's kind of surprising considering a lot of the uh, Seattle brass is similar to what it's been in the last few years. And they're having trouble kind of getting Gino in that right spot. Or maybe Gino's just screwing up. The Browns, I don't, on the other hand. I just, I don't think it's that surprising because the quarterback, the Browns quarterback situation is so publicly terrible that, and we know the public just gloms on to, to media narratives. The media's rightfully crushing the Browns for giving Deshaun Watson a completely guaranteed yeah. con- contract and Deshaun Watson has looked absolutely awful in Cleveland. So that's why I actually think that the line is suspicious in the sense that Seattle should be a bigger favorite. That's what I think. Yeah. Okay. I see. All right. Um, here's the weird thing though. Does like you, it's funny, man. I love how you think like, is it, Everybody hates the Browns. Deshaun Watson is a fool. It's great to see him hurt again. I mean, maybe he's going to get a massage right now to work on that shoulder. I don't know. Ha ha. But like, does that show up in like the betting? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like that should be separation of church and state or South Korea and North Korea. It's like, do we go to the betting window being like, you know what? The Browns colors are ugly. They overpaid Deshaun Watson by like $200 million and he's probably getting a massage right now. So I'm pissed. So I'm going to bet on Seattle. I just think it's one of those deals where the public, you're right. Yeah, we, we don't do the that. The, 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 right. the public schnooks do. I think they do, man. And that's exactly why, too, to your point, I love the Browns here. I mean, I can't believe we're getting three and a half. I think this thing could go to, to your point to four, and I would be all over it. I, I just hope it's not one of those trap games where Seattle almost looks they, – they also look damaged a little bit, too, a little bit of damaged goods there. And it's still a West Coast trip. It's the late round of games, and so it's a 4 p.m. Eastern. And, and I'm, I'm taking the points, and I'm hoping getting four by Sunday just to ride the Browns in the sunset. Yeah, Seattle's underlying metrics look very positive. They just need to work out the kinks on third down and red zone, which is typically fluky. So I get the pro-Seattle argument here. But I think what people are missing um, or excusing or overlooking, I guess, in this, in this matchup is Cleveland's played the third toughest strength of schedule through its first uh, six games. And Seattle has played the absolute easiest strength of schedule. They have wins over Carolina, New York with Dan Jones, who ate 11 sacks that game. 11. And Seattle's offense... They, and, they, and they struggled. They've struggled against some of those teams, too, for a time. Seattle's offense tried to give the game to the Giants. And the Giants would not take it. Again, me and you, uh, I don't know if you were on the Seahawks last week, but I bet the Seahawks... Absolutely terrifying. They had no business covering yeah. that game against the Cardinals. No nope. business. They should have. Yep. Yeah, um, they should have blown it. And, and Geno Smith is kind of turning back into a pumpkin, right? He has been making mistakes. Like, if you look at his overall metrics and his overall completion percentage, looks great. He's making good throws. But then he'll just go absolutely insane and throw it. He doesn't look Terrible right. balls. Also, yeah. Seattle's injury report is is sneaky terrible it's the longest injury report you have to scroll through it to read the whole thing bobby wagner best linebacker in the league excuse me top five linebacker in the league kenneth walker elite running back 
Tyler Lockett, awesome wide receiver. None of them are practicing this week for Seattle. That's right. I think I think I think um, Walker probably plays, but you're right, man. Concerns about Lockett are very well taken because he has not looked good on the last couple of games. He's been a little ginger, and Smith needs him. And if you got Geno Smith back there trying to figure out new routes, new ways, new communication with receivers, backups, etc., I've never seen Geno Smith do it that well. And so I think that's too why. Maybe you're right, but see, that's too why. Then the spread. I mean, we're not the only ones that know this. So then the spread being three and a half. I, it's bizarre. I actually gonna gonna contradict something we said earlier. I, I'm surprised it's not a closer spread, like maybe closer to two, two and a half, because this stuff. I, I mean, anybody that's watched Gino and the Seahawks this year, Jeff knows what you just said. You're being too smart. You have a model. Okay. You like have that. too much analysis. You're too far into the forest to see the trees. The public isn't looking that much into this. They're they're not. They're just looking at. Oh my God, Seattle. Minus three and a half at home against PJ Walker. Love it. Love it. And we're taking a deeper dive into this matchup. And speaking of which, I think we're buying low in Cleveland's defense. They just gave up 38 to Gardner Minshew. But Miles Garrett is clearly the best defensive player in the league. Um, Again, when he wants to be. Yep. Cleveland's defense. They held Burrow. Purdy and Lamar Jackson who combined 393 passing yards combined, right? Uh, Seattle's offensive line is absolutely atrocious. I think Miles Garrett is going to rip Geno Smith's face off in this game. I do. So I'm with you. I'm going to take the three in the hook with the Browns. Uh, My official five picks are the Circa Million Contest, which I'll enter in a couple hours here. Bucks nine and a half Thursday Night Football at the Buffalo Bills. I'm taking three. Hopefully it closes at three uh, with the Titans at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Saints pick them at the Colts. I'm taking plus two and a half with the Giants, kind of quasi-hosting the Jets. And I'm going to take three and a half with the Browns at the Seattle Seahawks. Me and you are the same in a couple picks, opposite on one. Yeah, but dude, refresh. I, like, I like all these, though, man. They're good. They're, those, those fall into my model, dude, so I love it. Remind the public, or excuse me, uh, the listeners who you're betting this week. Yeah, so this week we're doing the Browns, the Packers, and we're doing the Saints. And I'm taking the Bucks too, man. I think those are those are my top ones right now because I, that just the public side of those just does not feel right. And so to me, it's one of those deals where, and also the Falcons too, just because these are teams, like you said, Jeff, the word of the day or the method of this week, and I feel a little bit reticent just because last weekend was freaking incredible, dude. Like, I, I can't imagine – a better weekend for just the model itself and how well it did and the setup we had on the pod. But this week feels very, very similar and it probably won't go quite as well where the hit ratio was ridiculous, like 90% on the money lines on the spreads, but man, I could still easily get 60 to 65 out of this week on these dogs and these public non faves. And I'm riding them all, man. And the ones you mentioned too, on your side, I like a lot. Well, Scott, you're usually the barking dogs groomer, but you stepped up in a big way for me and for Dan Z. So I appreciate you helping me out to produce this podcast for the NFL Week 8, man. Where can people find you? They can find me uh, if you dial 911. You can ask for me, I think, and or <laughs> on X, which used to be Twitter, which that company needs a 911 dial, it seems like. I don't really like X. I like Twitter a lot better, but you can find me on there. That's Scotty Markets, talking sports, talking music, and maybe a little bit of food. <laughs> All right, you can find me at uh, Jeffrey underscore Clark. Most importantly, follow Outkick Bets. Give our podcast a nice review wherever that's available. I definitely know you can leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure about Spotify, 
But um, I know Scott Martin will be back next week for Barking Dogs. And hopefully Danzy will be back. But either way, we'll come back with NFL Week 9 coverage and best bets. Until then, peace.